Tis the season for the Play on Words podcast. We're here with the Founders Club episode number eight with Melinda Marks and Julia Halpert Jackson. Hello. 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 Well, it's a fun episode today because we're we're gonna listen to a favorite pick of one of the founders, Julia Halpert Jackson. She chose Fabulous Water Sports. Tell us a little bit more about why you chose Fabulous Water Sports. As I furiously try and figure out who wrote it and pretend like I know what I'm talking about. Roy Proctor wrote it. Uh, he's a playwright in um, Virginia uh, who was very kind to let us produce it uh, twice. The first time at Cafe Stritch and the second time, was it at Anna at Mark's? Art party, yeah. At Anna Mark's art party. So um, this came to mind because I thought that it was a really good example of a short theatrical piece um, that was read really well by Ryan Alpers and Jeremy Ryan. And um, I think the thing that I, I responded to in it is just the timing. The, the premise is just kind of absurd. And um, so much is accomplished in basically one scene. I think it's also a really good example of our personal process like once we get a piece like the steps that we take to sort of ensure that it's the right length or it's the right style or it's the right pace or drive for both our audience our respective audiences and our actors that we're going to perform because we made a couple of tweaks Mm -hmm. to this piece although it was really funny when we got it Mm -hmm. we did like it went through some tweakage so let's listen here to Fabulous Water Sports on the Play on Words Power Half Hour. See you soon. Fabulous Water Sports by Roy Proctor. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, you had no way of knowing, so you're forgiven this time, but you're never, never to enter the pool again unless I'm present to ensure your safety. People have drowned in a spoonful of water. I don't mean a gravy ladle eater, I mean a spoonful. Do you understand? (laughs) Oh, now where were we? Uh, Oh yes, welcome, welcome, welcome to the new exercise pool at the Garden of Earthly Delights Retirement Complex, Richmond's first and only retirement community serving the needs of senior LGBT communities. (laughs) Let's hope it won't be the last. I'm Christopher Heine the center's first part-time water exercise instructor. I will be your instructor for the first session meeting Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 1.30 p.m. for six weeks. Hmm? A few ground rules to begin with. Please be on time, raise your hand to speak, and don't, I repeat, don't enter the pool unless I am present and permit you to do so. No diving, no cannonballing, no goosing, no groping, no flashing, no eating, no drinking, no smoking, no injection of other substances or form matter into the body. Is that clear? Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention? The Bridging the Great Divide study group will meet 15 minutes in the Oscar Wilde room. Well, as I was saying, I'm Christopher Heine, the center's first part-time instructor in water exercise. I was born and raised in Didwitty County. I pursued physical education at Robert E. Lee Bible College near Roanoke. I live in a double-wide mobile home in Hanover County with my boyfriend, Bruce, who is the love of my life. Any questions? 
Oh, uh, Mr. Denny, correct? Uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Earnhardt. Uh, you know, I roomed with a Barry Earnhardt at Lee. Uh, you're not related to Barry by any chance, are you? <laughs> well, I didn't think so. You don't look a thing like him. Uh, what's your question? Uh, hmm. Well, you don't major in physical education at any Bible college. Uh, you pursue it on the side. <laughs> now listen up. In this class, we'll be following the fabulous water sports regimen by Christopher, which I'm trying to trademark so I can afford to move to San Francisco with Bruce, who is the love of my... Okay. <laughs> what now? I I'm teaching, damn it. I'm Oh, go to hell, Bruce, and stay there. No, no, don't bother. Take everything you brought into the relationship, except Omar, he is my dog, and push your key through the mail slot. No, no, I'm not kidding. Last night was the last straw. Bye. <laughs> I'm so sorry, and now where was I? Uh, questions? Oh, uh, uh, Mr. Smith, right? Mm. At the end of each term, we'll put on a fully costumed Aquacade show complete with costumes and magical lighting and synchronized water exercises. Busby Berkeley lives again. Hooray for the golden age of Hollywood swimming pool choreography. You'd be surprised what we can do with just a few beach balls and a little gumption. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Are you out of your fucking mind? No, no, you may not move in with my mother. I don't give a shit how much you like her. I don't give a shit how much she likes you. The answer is no. 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 Oh, don't you. Now, where was I? Uh, oh, yes, beach balls. <laughs> Any more questions? Oh, uh, Mr. Poindexter? Oh, Mr. Mallory, I'm so sorry. Uh, Mr. Poindexter, can you raise your hand so we know where you are? Oh, there you are. Good, thank you. Uh, now, Mr. Mallory, what is your question? Hmm, well, I'll have to think about that. Uh, did you hear Mr. Mallory's question? Mr. Mallory asked if he could wear his two-piece Dale Evans swimsuit with buckskin fringe in the Aquacade. <laughs> I'll have to think about that. Uh, I didn't know Dale Evans went swimming. <laughs> I thought she just rode Palominos into the sunset with Roy Rogers and all those westerns and got down just long enough to sing Happy Trails. <laughs> you do? Huh. Did you hear that, gentlemen? Uh, Mr. Mallory also has a one-piece Esther Williams red peony swimsuit. <laughs> Well, aren't you just the 1940s Hollywood fashion plate? Or does it come complete with a matching Esther Williams red peony bathing cap? Huh. Oh my, it is amazing what you can pick up Ladies at thrift Ladies and gentlemen, it's been brought to management's attention that a chainsaw and power drill have been left in the lobby cloakroom. Management kindly requests that the owners of these implements store them in their lockers at their earliest convenience. Now, have any other questions before we begin our limbering up exercises? <laughs> Mr. Gibbs, right? Ah, I knew it! <laughs> What's your question? Oh, uh, the closest men's restroom is off the men's locker room. No, M Mr. Gibbs, you may not pee in the pool I don't care how far the locker room is, you'll just have to keep it until you get there. 
I don't care how much chlorine is in the pool. The pool could be sea green with chlorine for all I care. You still can't pee in it. A pool is not an ocean, all right? It's not a lake, a river, a stream, a rivulet. If it's that important to you to be unsanitary, go pee in your bathtub. Well, in your shower then. Mr. Mallory. You hear that, class? Mr. Mallory only has a shower, too. <laughs> well, Mr. Mallory, if you can slip out of your Dale Evans bottoms to the buckskin fringe long enough, maybe you and Mr. Gibbs can go pee in the shower together. <laughs> now, one last thing before we get started. Pools are not to be trifled with, especially not by the aged like yourself. The depth of the pool is three feet on this end and five feet on this end. Yeah. Uh, except for the well in the corner of the deep end, that's eight feet deep. Do you see it? Hmm? That's not for us. <laughs> it's for therapy. Elderly gentlemen like you have disappeared in wells like that and never been heard from again. But there is compensation, gentlemen. Uh, do you see that ledge along the shallow end? Hmm? Well, five minutes before each session concludes, I'll turn on the bubble machine, and uh, where, hmm, where, where do you think you're going, Mr. Gibbs? Mr. Mr. Mallory, Mr. Mallory, where are you going? Oh, you're up to no good. I know it. You're going to go pee in the shower together. Uh, what is it, Mama? No, Bruce cannot move in with you, Mama. If you dare, mm, I will never speak to you again. Uh, Mr. Poindexter, Mr. Poindexter, where are you going, M Mr. Earnhardt? Mr. What is happening here? Uh, bye, Mama. Love you. Uh. Uh, no, 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 this class is not a waste of time. It is the fulfillment of your dreams. Please come back. Uh, you, you, you don't know what you're doing. Uh, Mr. Mallory, you can wear any goddamn swimsuit you want. Fucking daisies for all I care. Just, just come on back, <laughs> all of you. Please come back. Oh, where, where are you going, Esther? Dale. Dale. <laughs> Roy, I, I, I beg of you. Oh. Your attention, oh please. Will Christopher Heine be so kind as to report to the center's director's office? Christopher Heine to the center's director's office on the double. Thank you. And we're back with the founders here of the Play On Words organization. What would you call Play On Words? How, did you guys talk about that when you, when you founded it? What was, what's going on here? I refer to it in like bios and stuff as like a performance enclave. My dad's called oh. it a literary salon before, um, but we're just like a, I don't know. That's how I refer to it. But like, I also just say Play On Words. Yeah, I think uh, this is Julia speaking, uh, and that's Melinda. Okay. <laughs> I gestured, but this is a podcast. Um, I think when we first came together in 2013, um, I had envisioned us getting a bunch of writers together and reading our work like one time, like a one-time deal. I didn't know that. Well, <laughs> four right years now. later. Um, well, here's why. Because I had just moved from Davis, and before that, I was in San Francisco. Um, and when I was in San Francisco, there was all these amazing uh, submission-based literary series that would get writers together. And um, the fact that the performances were submission-based meant that things were kind of curated. So as a attendee, you can go thinking, oh, these cool people I know are going to read and 
there's a lot of diversity in voices. And when I moved to San Jose, I couldn't find anything like that. So one day when we were at Trials Pub on First Street. Yeah, that's right. We, we met started talking about like it. a mutual friend, and we be, we were part of a trivia team. Yes, Melinda's really, really good at trivia. Uh, everyone should know that. Irrelevant. <laughs> no, actually, I think it does come in handy when you're running an organization because you remember things, and you... You're just like a like a literary steel trap, you know. You just remember. I and can say the same about you. And you're a performer, anyway. So, in my mind, we were gonna have this one performance, see how it went, and it was me and Melinda, and uh, a third person who helped us found this organization. Her name is Nicole Hughes, who at the time was the assistant director of the Center for Literary Arts at San Jose State University. So uh, Nicole was very well connected in San Jose. Um, she knew a lot of professors and writers and uh, graduate students. So when we partnered with her, it was kind of natural because she could help us find a, a venue to perform. She helped us connect with local journalists to publicize the event. And um, our first show at Blackbird Tavern was so successful that um, the first thing uh, I think the organizer or the owner of Blackbird came to us and was like, so when's your next one? And that was the first time it occurred to me that we could do it again. And that was four years That's ago. That's great. Yeah. I, Nicole who is, is since moved um, out of state but um, and is doing really well. Um, she was like integral because I was very newly... Uh, graduated from San Jose State with a uh, master's, but I had been acting for a long time, but I didn't really know anybody on in the, the writing scene. And I had recently just started writing more. And so I didn't really know anybody in, you know, publishing or in journalism or in writing. And Julia was new, mm-hmm. very new to the area. So Nicole really gave us that bump in publicity that we we really needed to to maintain our momentum. Have you been to the new Blackbird Tavern? You know, it's it like closed. It's super sad that that location doesn't exist anymore. It's true. I don't I haven't been to whatever. Social policy went oh. there. Went there with the kiddo. How was it? I had a ham and cheese croissant. It wasn't a croissant though. It was more of like a baked pastry. It was with like Dijon mustard. All I'm trying to say is 2013 doesn't seem like a long time ago, but so much has changed downtown since then. What happened next? Um, well, we had an agreement with the the person who owned the what was then the Blackbird Tavern. Um, we started doing shows there quarterly. So we had our first show there in October of 2013, and then we had kind of a Valentine's Day theme show in February 2014 uh, and then um, a follow-up show in that spring Um, and then after that our next show was at um, actually in San Francisco we were inspired uh, the Lit Quake Festival uh, which is a literary um, organization uh, nationwide they have these events in San Francisco and they have this open application every spring that any um, uh, performing arts series or literary readings can apply for so we decided to apply in 2014 and we were lucky enough to get a slot um so we we kind of did a best of uh performance in clarion alley in the mission district in san francisco 
Uh, and that was a, a highlight for me because I felt like we we hadn't we that was one anniversary in for us, and yeah. um, we were able to kind of share San Jose's literary flavor with you know the Bay Area and really kind of represent. Yeah. It's true. And I think one of the things that makes us like a performance enclave is that we use, we try to get actors, working actors in the Bay Area to read the work that we, that we curate and that we choose um, to perform. Um, Because very often uh, with events like this, the authors will read their own work, which is fine, but... Um, then that means that they don't get to hear it. So very oftentimes we get submissions from people who are starting out or from people who you know are new or students or something like that. And so the work that we choose and read, um, we've been told by people of all sort of types of prolificity that it's like really useful and at useful at best and just super neat at you know not worst but at least to to hear it read as opposed to having to go in and read yeah every person that i've had on the podcast has has expressed just that the the really unique dynamic that you get from having your work read by somebody else and interpreted by somebody else you know so not not just somebody else but you know a uh a, a performer another human being right that like has synthesized that and shooting it out with their words using their words yeah i would also <laughs> say that um it's fun plan, it's fun you know plan fun. words is inspired by <clears throat> many organizations who do similar things um scott lambertus is a friend of mine um who i met at san francisco state he is a creator of action fiction in san francisco and they have a similar setup where they bring in professional actors to read fiction um, there are groups like that all across the Bay Area. Um, and then there are even, you know, more famous ones like Selected Shorts um, in New York at the Symphony Space where they bring in, like, Broadway and film performers to, you know, basically interpret longer works of fiction. Um, and as a writer, I find it extremely informative because you see what people respond to. And if you read your own work, you can kind of you you kind of try to forecast how people re- respond. But when you're when you actually can watch someone else interpret it, you learn things you didn't know, you know, that were embedded within what you'd written. So that dynamic, along with Hello representing San Jose, is play on words. Yeah. Presently, you're collaborating with the some other local San Jose artists. Can you talk more about that and what's going on now in the play on words world? Well, um, in the works now, uh, we we are helping to edit a, uh, a chat book on activism. And um, at it. yeah, it's right in front. We got some editing options and that's been in the works for for what three or four months now it's mm-hmm. been in, in process yeah i would say um there's another um really wonderful literary series in san jose called the flash fiction uh forum I, uh, ryan is check out those episodes um, everybody lita and tanya they're they're on the play on words power half the hour. podcast yeah they 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 graced the very seats you graced gracing gracing right now 
I didn't. They hear sat that. where you sat. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I can hear myself perfectly well, <laughs> but it must sound insane to you not not hearing the the headphones. Well, anyway, the point is that we this was an opportunity for us to work together. Um, after the presidential election last fall, um, I think a lot of artists, especially women artists, um, women of color, immigrants, uh, the LGBTQ community felt like there needed to be an outlet to respond um, both to the election and just kind of the world at large. Um, And so um, Melinda and I um, started talking with other artists we knew in the area about ways that we could provide a a larger uh, platform for people who felt the need to um, respond uh, in a literary way. And that discussion happened very quickly after the election, I remember, because I was living in Virginia at the time um, still active in in plan words, but from from a considerable distance and sort of hampered by by the distance. But the first thing I, I one of the first things I did when I got home uh, for for vacation was that you and I met and yeah. talked about how we could you know use our our platform such as it is you know the the power of our platform to to you know send a message of support and activism and. And uh, that was something that was really important. Yeah, and Tanya and Lita, um, I would say Lita especially, is very connected um, within many communities across the South Bay. In addition to being a professor of creative writing and and writer herself, she knows a lot of um, activists affiliated with various organizations. And so she she and Tanya, as well as um, our friend Maria Judnick, who's also a professor and writer, um, we have worked together to try and um, solicit work from writers who we thought um, would have a real, vo- who needed to voice their, their feelings. Um, we're also working with uh, Peter Caravalho, who is a graphic designer and writer himself. And, and Peter has been really helpful with us in actually laying out um, a physical book yeah. that we plan to sell. Um, the title of the book is Activate. And we're hoping to have copies available for sale at our next show, um, January 17th. So, a little uh, prom- promo there. Let's make it a big promo. <laughs> Tell us more about this show. Where Where is it going? What's going on? There's a new show coming up? We've had a hiatus in our Play on Words platform, salon, enclave organization series <laughs> and performance. <laughs> I gotta we've, run and list we've here. We've been uh, we've been ramping up for this this season. You yeah. know, uh, it's been our tradition to do quarterly shows. So I'd say we're on schedule. We're we're pretty on schedule. We had some we had an event on October 9th um, that was uh, that was in partnership with another organization a little further north um, than the South Bay proper in Redwood City. Um, and that was a theatrical. That was a theater, the Dragon Theater. We had a show at the Dragon Theater where we read. Um, a few pieces that we'd read before, sort of remastered for um, you know a longer a longer reading time. Yeah, yeah, and and this show in January will be returning to Cafe Stritch. Yes, um, we've performed there a number of times, and we have a great relationship with the uh, the team there. They they have a great space for uh, musicians mm-hmm. and um, various types of performance. Um, so we plan to be, we're actually going to be performing selections from the book. Um, yes. 
to be disclosed uh, shortly. Yeah, in um, process. In the process. In the process of um, selection. But we're, we're hoping that this will be yet another way for us to, um, you know, give voice to people um, in 2017, or I should say 2018. Yeah. Um, so this is a great opportunity for people who may be new to Plant Words to come out and see a show. Really great. It's hilarious right now that none of you have any idea what's going on, but there's three of us and only two microphones. It's crazy. It's not that crazy. We're making it work. It's been no, it's so been smooth. it's been seamless. It's been seamless. If you hadn't said anything, no one would have ever. But known. that is is not funny. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's you gotta you gotta have the the haha along with the talky talk. The haha factor. Yeah, yeah. It's all just sound waves here. You know, it's hard. It's hard being a, a voice and the producer at the same time. You got some new shows, next shows beyond that too, yes. that y'all be thinking about. Give us, give us some, give us some details. Um, Pretty please. So following our January show, we have uh, a show on April 11th, um, also at Cafe Stretch. Um, that's what we have in the books right now, January yeah. and April. Yeah. But uh, we're hoping to kind of gain more momentum for the 2018 season. Um, yeah, and we're always looking for more collaborators, more writers, more um, people interested in, in sharing calls for submission. Um, we often, I should also mention, we, we've been really lucky in having people volunteer as uh, photographers and videographers at shows. Because um, part of our mission at Plan Words is to really uh, promote emerging and established writers. Um, mm -hmm. So one of the ways we do that is we you know, share bios of writers and performers. Um, yeah, we so work across mediums as well so you know sometimes our shows are, are have more of a theme than others simply by virtue of the the submissions that we get we sort of either curate you know willy-nilly or you know if we get submissions on theme we end up you know accidentally mm -hmm. uh you know curating into a theme and then you know we play that theme into whatever the show is mm -hmm. uh, we had that with a we had a vague Valentine's theme mm -hmm. once, and we've, you know, we've had um, our last show at the Dragon was um, was a, a a women sort of in power, like mm -hmm. female, the female narrative mm -hmm. variations on the the female narrative, and so yeah, we're, um, you know, the show in in January is is set. Um, you know, with, you know, where the pieces are in selection, but we already know that the pieces that we're choosing for that are, are specifically from the chapbook, but uh, April's wide open. We're taking yeah. submissions. We yeah. take submissions all year round. <coughs> um, you know, poetry, short fiction, flash fiction, uh, short plays, um, really anything under, under 15 minutes is fair game, and we would love, 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 love to, to get your work. Anything under fifteen minutes? Why? Why fifteen minutes? Why? Do you, why is that the time? Um, I would say two reasons. Like it would have. Part of it is attention span. Um, just because, you know, um, anyone who's attending an event, a live event, if it's being, if a piece is being read by one person, it could be hard to um, maintain your attention um, unless it's a really spectacular or compelling long piece um another reason why is we want to keep our sh our uh, performances diverse and to have you know be able to showcase as many different voices as we can so by having shorter pieces we can feature more work 
Do you think anything is lost in the oral retelling of something that is, you know, if it's a short story or flash fiction, you know, deliberately, you know, printed, is something lost or gained by, by having it told to you, you know, you as then the person listening to it, you know, what, what's different there instead of reading it? Well, there's a trade-off, I would say. (laughs) I just faked you out. Um, and I want to hear Melinda's take on this, too, as a director. But um, I would say there's two things. Like, if you're a poet and you play a lot with line breaks and kind of the structure and the actual shape of the poem, then I guess you could argue that, yeah, something is lost when it's performed aloud. Um, but I think the trade-off that you have is that you're allowing someone who has a skill as a performer to interpret and analyze your work. Um and that means that, you know, they're showing you how they read your work. And that's really useful information for a writer to have. Like, you may have written something thinking it to be very sad and they interpret it in a comic way. Or you may have written something thinking it's hilarious and then you see it performed and you realize that it has a more poignant or pointed perspective. So I think that there's more to be gained than lost, really. Um, I think if you're a novelist um, or someone who's more comfortable with a very long format, then, yeah, it's it's better not to be read aloud unless it's like an audio book or something. Yeah. And I mean, even then, you know, I feel like my answer is really the answer that came to mind, especially hearing your, you know, really good, uh, succinct answer uh, seems really like gross and 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 arts artsy weird to me but because my my background first and foremost like I became a writer later and I became interested in editing later and my primary focus artistically has been as as a performer and also my my education has been in sort of the the history of of performance and I think that, yeah, you lose, a, I think you lose your ability, you know, in hearing something or in seeing something perform. I think you relinquish your agency over whatever it is you're seeing. When you read something, you can interpret it or you can internalize it or you can imagine it however you want. And so I think you relinquish your agency in being able to imagine as, as you please. But I think that there's something to be said for thinking of and remembering sort of that the oral tradition is is as valid an art as as hearing as reading something or sort of seeing something and thinking about it as being made to perform like a play like you don't generally think of a short story or piece of flash fiction or even a poem as being an oral you know tradition thing but you know I think there's value in going to hear something um and in then hearing it differently and being able to have a variation and, you know, I, oh, when I read this, I never imagined or, oh, when I saw it and then I looked at it, I never imagined. And I think even our performers um, and, and us as editors and curators, you know, there's a lot of guesswork and trust in reading something and having it and interpreting it for yourself and then letting it, the act of letting it go and giving it to somebody else to create a whole new interpretation, I think is, 
is what you gain from it. It's just the, the power to see that other, the power to see other people thinking about the same thing you are in a different way. I think both answers were good, <laughs> but so different. Yeah. Well, it was I would great. add to, sorry, one last thing. If, uh, if you were to interview a playwright, uh, which Melinda is a playwright, but a lot, a lot of um, the process in, in writing, a, like say a full length play, is there's a workshop period where playwright may complete their manuscript, but they want to hear feedback from potential audience members. So um, that is part of the artistic process. So in a way, what Plan Words Stop does... Stop vigorously <laughs> shaking your head. You're freaking Linda me out. Linda is vigorously, vigorously agreeing. But that's part of the process. There's time, I mean, and the same thing even for Broadway, you know, oh, or yeah. like major productions is they need they need to see how things um, work in the space. They need to see how things work, you know, interactions between actors. So I think the same could be said for... I mean, at least in my experience as a writer, I find it useful. Maybe not everyone. No, it's but. true. And I think that's really a valid thing that we've heard again and again is that, you know, even established authors, one of the first shows we did, we, we did a reading of a, a, an excerpt from a book that was already printed that, um, that you know, was already going through, through the, the rounds of publishing and... and we only read a bit because it was a full-length novel. It was one of the few full-length novel excerpts that we've done. Um, but the the author was there and was extremely... The reaction from the author was extremely positive. I mean, even with all, you know, the foundation and the, you know, the, the completeness of this novel, this was still a completely different element and it didn't take away from the completeness of the novel, but it added a, a depth or a dimension to the meaning of it that whether or not, you know, it didn't change the novel itself, but it changed, you know, the, the, for that moment, at least the way that the, the novel was interpreted and it was so positive. Yeah, I'm gonna throw in a little promo. Oh, that, yeah, was, uh, that was that uh, was Soy Sauce for Beginners by Kirsten Chen. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, she came up to us afterward and was like, "Can I take Melinda on book tour with me?" <laughs> um, last promo. She has a new book coming out yeah, this spring, which is gonna be awesome. So Kirsten Chen. Believe it or not, we're almost out of time here on the Play Awards Power Half Hour. It's been. A fabulous time. We listened to fabulous water sports. We talked to the founders in the Founders Club episode. This is episode eight. Melinda, I have a question for you. This is the second time you've been on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> how's how's it the second time? I felt like the first time I had more to say, or at least I said it better. But I don't know. I just every time I come here, every time I have to talk about play on words, you know, be it be it to you. Um or you know, just plugging it or writing about it in a bio. I I just feel overwhelmed with with like like pride, not in like myself, but just like pride in the fact that this exists and that it's our investment and the investment of our really dedicated company of actors who ask again and again, and and the people who support us who you know maintain our momentum and ask us again and again, you know, when we're gonna do the next show, and and the people here who who lend whatever resources they can they can to ask us you know how they can help to maintain this i just i'm so 
it's so rewarding it's been so rewarding and it's gonna continue to be so rewarding and overwhelming and and you know knowing that we can maintain momentum you know what regardless of whatever else is going on um it's just really great <laughs> it's a great feeling yes yeah i, I want to echo everything melinda says and i would say that <clears throat> play on words has been a, a wonderful artistic outlet um since since we were founded you know a lot of major events have happened both in the world and in our personal lives uh, melinda has gotten two graduate degrees um i got married and had a child and switched jobs and moved um <laughs> and you know we're, we're both artists in our own right trying to to create our own work in our own time so plan words is a way for us to continue advocating on behalf of artists that we know and admire and people we don't know who we want to know um i am in all sincerity say that because i believe that part of being an artist is supporting the work of, of other artists so i'm really really proud of the fact we've been able to do that and i know we're going to continue to do it you know as long as we can melinda's giving me the the okay sign that's also the spartan up <laughs> the triple a okay play on words is a voice it's a platform, it's a salon, it's an organization, it's a series, it's a performance, it's an enclave, but really, it's also a way to continue, that's what you said, and that's that's what I like about playing words. This has been the Power Half Hour with your host, Ryan Alpers, here with Melinda Marks and Julia Halpern-Jackson on our Founders Club episode number eight. <laughs>